Ranking those Beatles songs forever. This is my podcast, Song 118. Ranking those Beatles songs forever. Doing a John Lennon intro. That's all I could think of. Oh. It's mind games. Eh. Eh. But I feel like the whole thing is you're not supposed to do like... But, yeah, but I didn't do a Beatles one today. Uh, it's not a Beatles one. It's a loophole. I don't know. I feel like I gave you some better options. We gotta, we gotta flesh them out. <sighs> Whatever. You, you gave me good ones, but like they're like involved. Okay. They were involved intros. Okay, fine. It's not my best, but I, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not it's, always at my best. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. I do what I, I do the best I could today. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Jeez Louise. Look, I have never once phoned it in on this show, and you hey, know look, it. look. <laughs> we're almost at episode 100. This is episode 99. Editor's note, it's actually episode 98. I'm just a dummy. Do the best you can today, please. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Thank Except, you. I accept. Uh, welcome, everybody, to episode 99. <laughs> once again, that's 98. Dummy of ranking the Beatles. How's it going, everybody? Uh, if you're just joining us, you've missed a whole lot. Uh, my name's Jonathan. Uh, over here on the left of me, somewhere in the middle of the headphones for you or whatever you might be listening on, is the lovely Julia. How are you, my dear? Hi, friends. I'm good. Good to see you. I feel like I've missed you all day. I feel like I haven't seen you at all. I've been running around. You have. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, but I'm glad you're here. Me too. Um, Things are good. Everybody's good. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, we're really man. I can't believe we're almost to a hundred. I know it's wild. This is crazy. I can't believe we've done anything this many times. <sighs> but uh, we we've somehow done this. Super stoked about this show today, though. Uh, been trying to get this guy on for a few months now since we met back in November. Super excited that we made it happen today. Uh, Y'all, our guest today is a singer, songwriter, and producer who first came onto the scene as one of the co-founders and principal songwriters of power pop legends The Posies, uh, who enjoyed radio and MTV success in the early 90s and critical acclaim throughout their time together. In 1993, he began a tenure as a guitarist in Alex Chilton and Jody Stevens' reformed Big Star, uh, a run that lasted throughout the 90s and 2000s until Chilton's passing in uh, 2010. Uh, since then, he's maintained both a healthy solo career as well as taking parts in Stevens helmed uh, Big Star's third shows and the recent 50th anniversary tour for Big Star's debut album, Number One Record. Our paths crossed in November of 2022 last year uh, in Memphis, performing together in a tribute concert for Big Star founder Chris Bell, and singing with him was probably one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had on stage in a long, long time, so I'm really glad we get to reconnect again today. Friends, please welcome to the show, John Auer. John, welcome to Ranking the Beatles. How are you, man? Oh, great. Thanks for thanks for you guys for finally having me. I know we've been had this in the works for a while so thanks for yeah. being patient oh for sure um, man for sure although it hasn't been too long since the last time uh, uh at least you and i saw each other mm-hmm. um i mean as far as like and we did some other work together too which was actually quite enjoyable as i as i remember yeah it. that chris bell show um, yeah singing together which was, that was... A, a real surprise it's always a pleasant a pleasant thing when you show up and things sound better i think in a way than maybe you might expect you know because it's such a it's such a crapshoot with yeah. those kind of situations you just walking in with like 
I mean, what? How long? How much rehearsal did we have for that Chris Bell show in, in Memphis, uh, the tribute show? A night. <laughs> I was there for a night. I, right. I think y'all might have done more before I got there. Yeah, I mean, not and and really not much more. So I, mean, I was just so glad. I mean, of course, speaking, we were just talking before this about force majeure. How about that? I got, yeah. That got that did get rained out. That was the only. It was a long way to come and travel to not perform I in the cosmos. That's the only thing I would say about that show. Yeah. But say love you. And here we are now. So I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah, man. Well hopefully we'll get to do that again in uh in a uh a closed environment where weather is not a not an issue. Um I know you've been super busy lately uh with those big star uh 50th shows for number one record. How did that tour go? Oh Jesus. Well I, I gotta say first off that was just you know, considering what's been going on in the world the last few years, it was such a, we were just talking about antidotes and salves and bombs before the show too. Uh, and it was a really a much needed thing for me, I think, uh, to be honest, it was just a great group of people playing amazing songs and it had been in the works for so long. It was actually, yeah, it was put on hold. I think it was supposed to happen in, in 2020, like a lot of things. I mean, how many times have you heard this before? Hey, yeah. you know, newsflash, <laughs> something has happened, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, um, and hopefully we're going to do more too. And you know, what's also amazing is that it was really kind of a, honestly kind of low key and kind of grassroots. There was like no heavy promotion or there's not like some big company like, you know, working it or PR. And I honestly didn't know who was going to show up to the shows and God, I think a couple of them were sold out, and mm -hmm. uh, it, it was better than I could have ever hoped. And we all had such a great time. And um, time permitting, the the only downside, of course, is that all the people in the band, you know, the people, the members of the bands, all have other commitments. You sure, know? sure. Uh, especially two of them being, uh, you know, Pat Sansone from Wilco and 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 Mike Mills actually uh, from R.E.M. He's got a they got a lot going on, so it's kind of yeah. like trying to figure out the right time to do something more, basically. Mm -hmm. But it was great. Nice. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed that 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 keeps going because that definitely looks like, um, you know, that was something that, you know, we were both like, oh, this looks like so much fun. And I have to imagine, you know, because I know you've done a lot of the Big Stars third shows where it's, you know, a giant cast of people and a ton of musicians. So doing it as just, you know, kind of a five piece rock band was probably a nice change of pace, I would think. Yeah, it was, um, especially, well, I got to point out, too, that that was also, that was Jody Stevens' idea. That was kind of his requirement, I think, this go-around. I think he really enjoyed doing all the, the various big star third shows over the years. And, I mean, and they've, you know, there's there's been, like, a core group of people that always did those, but that would be, like, a, you know, uh, special guests all over the world. I mean, you know, we've everywhere from, you know, like, places like Barcelona or London. I mean, I remember the London show, which is one of the ones I was, I was part of, um, I mean, I, I stood right next to and sang, I think, uh, till the end of the day, like, you know, a foot and a half away from Ray Davies' face like, wow. <laughs> uh, on stage with them. And that wow. was kind of, you know, a pinch me moment. I was like, wow, this is what's so cool about about the big star stuff is that there's so many people that want to be involved in it. And I, and I think that was a blessing. But I think after a while, I think Jody was also like, Hey, if we're going to do something more and maybe present this 50th anniversary, why don't we just do it kind of like a, a scrappy five piece? Let's do like a rock and roll band playing these songs again. Cause it kind of, you know, it was beautiful and it was lush and it was orchestrated and it, um, you know, it took a lot to get it going and a lot of effort and it was amazing every time that it happened. But, uh, these shows were very different and, and they're just they're kind of more, 
they're kind of more visceral, you know. Yeah. It's like the it's like just like guys in a garage, like you know, rocking the tunes out or something. Yeah. And, uh Yeah. It was just a great way to do it. So. Yeah. It feels yeah. very appropriate. Yeah. Especially for that kind of for that record, which yeah. like, it, you know, it's a very produced record. But it's also like very human. It's, you know, four guys in a room making a record um, without, you know, string sections and, you know, massive amounts of. Well, I mean, yeah, there are a ton of overdubs, but, you know, you know what I'm getting at, though. It's just a very it's a much more well, yeah, live. But, you know, record. But, but it was it was made in such a I don't want to say haphazard. That's the wrong word. But it was made in such an, you know, it was made on nights like, after, you know, after school, basically. Yeah, you know, it was made on after school and on weekends, basically. Uh, when the studio was available, you know, over the course of however long it was, and, and they, and they did it so fast, and I don't think they were too precious about anything, and, you know, the, um, I, I don't want to call it the big star third shows aren't precious, but they were more like it was more like a recital kind of vibe, yeah. you know, it's like something you'd want to sit down and listen to, where what we did this last time around was just, you know, it, it was it had a bit of trash to it, and I like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Nice. You want to jump up and sing along as opposed to just take it in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's More get up and sweat show. a little and dance around, you know, although, you know, it was crazy. It was, maybe I'm, again, I'm going to bring up the post pandemic vibe and that, you know, just, there were some people that were weeping when we were playing some of those songs. Yeah. Like when we launched into like, oh, I mean like 13, like when, she, you know, or, or Ballad of El Goodo. I mean, you could see like people openly crying when I thought like, like, wow, this is, you know, the power of music right there in front of you, like, you know, 10 feet away from you. You can't you can't ignore the power of that when you see it like yeah. in person. You know? That yeah. does not surprise me at all. Like I to, to see someone openly weeping, listening to like 13 being played live. Like I you said not many times <laughs> if that song doesn't elicit some kind of feeling in you, you don't have emotions. Yeah. I think like... I did. I tell that to our niece. <laughs> yes. Was it, did I tell that to Gabby? Yeah. yeah. We I think we like bought her. Yeah, we record. bought her a copy number one record. And we were like, at some point, mm-hmm. this will connect to you. I don't yeah. know when, yeah. but at some point, this will move something in your body and in your brain and your heart, and you will feel it. And if it doesn't, then we need to get you checked up by a doctor. <laughs> 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 you see, if you actually got a, you got a pulse, that yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah, I love that, too, because what, what you're describing is, uh, is the method by which Big Star has been propagated throughout the ages, ever since its, you know, its inception as a group. I mean... You know, and I like to think in some small way that I had something to do with propagating Big Star as well, because, you know, before the age of the internet, and yes, I'm dating myself, but yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when CDs first came on the market. You know, I mean, um, people didn't, people didn't have the access, you know, to like listen to only like 30 seconds of a song and then move on to the next song like they do on the internet now. And we were just people were trading tapes and. Mm. And, and, and buying records for people. I mean, um, you know, my my only other jobs really besides being in a, in a, in a rock band or, or producing records is I, I was always such a, uh, a a music, you know, nerd that I would always have it, you know, spend way too much time in the local record store until finally they just said, fuck it, let's just give you a job because you're here, <laughs> you know, all the time anyways. And the second record store, I worked in two record stores, one in Bellingham, my hometown, which I call my hometown, uh, long story on that one, but when I moved to Seattle to start working on early Posies uh, stuff, I, I got another job at another record store. And I remember playing uh, my manager, like uh, a cassette copy of the first Posies record that had been recorded in my my basement studio that my father and I put together in our house when I was a teenager. That's where we made the first 
Posey's record. It's the one that, you know, it got assigned to, to Geffen and DGC back in the day and got a lot of attention. You know, and it probably sold, you know, I don't know, 30, 40,000 copies. I mean, for a little, you know, home recording. Home which recording, is pretty yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> and uh, there you go. Remember, I mean, today that'd be like selling 3 million copies, yeah. you know? And, uh, but uh, I remember playing the, our first record to him and he was like, wow, you know, you remind me of this, of this and that. And he's like, but have you ever heard of this band called Big Star? And I was like, no, I'd never heard of him. And he said, okay, come with me. And he took me to, took me to the vinyl section in the records, in the record store. Cause you know, this is the age of CDs dominating and there's still cassettes and things like that. But uh, there were boutique, you know, vinyl items. And, uh, and he said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna buy this record for you. And I w I'm gonna let you get off of work. I want you to go home and put this, this record on. I want you to put on this song called September Girls. Um, and what he had done is he bought me the, there was this double record reissue. It was like, I want to say it was like Big Beat was the name of the label. And it had both number one record and Radio City as a twofer in, 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 in kind of a double vinyl package. And I did, I went home and I put it on and I've said it before, but it just, I, maybe I'd heard like the Bangles version. Maybe they'd done it by yeah, then yeah. or I don't know if they had or not. I can't even really remember, but I'm pretty sure I'd never heard any of it before. But I just, I just couldn't believe that, like, you know, this, uh, this, something that was so great and so, it sounded so familiar, you know, like it should have, it, it, it should have been way more popular. I mean, arguably, I mean, I've said it before too. It's, you know, it's the big star music is some of the music that deserves to be, have been heard the most that wasn't, you know, and it wasn't really. But. Yeah. Long story short, I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of going on more about this than what we're actually going to talk about, probably. Oh, that's okay. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just amazing to, to watch. That's how Big Star got kind of popular, was the old-fashioned way, as people, by word of mouth. It wasn't by any grand promotional campaign that worked. It wasn't about them being on MTV or, you know, it wasn't about them being on initially on a Spotify playlist or anything like that. It's just, it just, it really grew organically. So when you're talking about buying a new you know, uh, the record and saying, hey, you may not get this or you will, but here it is. I love that. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that is the purest way of, of, of sharing music and, and spreading and spreading the word, you know, yeah. the gospel of Big Star, I think, so. Yeah, well, you know, and I think also that's kind of, there's a, a similar kind of method to, I think, the way people that really love the Beatles kind of get into it as well, because like, the Unlike Big Star, like the Beatles are so omnipresent and they're so everywhere. And there's been this massive kind of marketing push behind them for years and years now. Um, but even still, when you get down to like the music of it, I think the people that really, you know, dig into it are the ones who have those conversations with somebody where it's like, oh, my God, you've got to check out X, Y, Z. You've got to listen to, you know don't pass up the yellow submarine soundtrack. There's actually four really great songs on here. Like go check this out or, you know, listen to, you know, these B sides or things like that. Um, and I know I had kind of those formative moments when I was younger. So I, you know, it kind of makes me want to, want to ask you, you know, what's kind of, how do you back into the Beatles story? How do they connect? Like, where do they first click for you? Well, I mean, you know, like most people, I guess my age, and I'm 53. I mean, my, my introduction to the Beatles would have been through my parents. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my parents, my parents were just on the cusp of being, you know, 
people that would burn their bras and listen to rock music, you know, if they, if they'd been born maybe two years older, you know, like maybe they wouldn't have gotten into music the way that they did. And my father was a musician and I kind of, he kind of inadvertently passed the torch to me when he kind of stopped doing it. And I kind of picked up what he was doing, but there was always music around. And, um, I do remember, uh, my, my most formative member, uh, memory with the Beatles would be, Having him having the copy of the of the blue, the capital, uh, the sixty seven through seventy, I believe is is what it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, is that would have been like it's like you know there's the it's the shot where they're kind of you know uh, going back and, and mimicking the the early uh, shot of them looking down at the camera. The the please please that, me the, cover. The please please me cover exactly. Yeah. But you know now, now they look like they're in you know canned heat you know or something <laughs> like that or fog hat you know you have the fog hat mustaches and beards it's like you know that's what that's what people did but i can remember um it's funny because i think he might have had uh the early the red collection too what's it called the capital years is that what uh, it is and it's like 62 to 66 and then 67 to 70 i think it's just i don't know that it has a title beyond those year uh demarcations. right so yeah. I, I think i think he had both 62 to 66 and 67 through 70 I honestly, I gravitated towards 67 to 70. And I remember like, I mean, this is kind of embarrassing, but I remember like listening, like I'm the walrus and like, you know, singing along to the words and like, I don't know, pretending I was the friggin' walrus or something, you know I mean? <laughs> just goofy stuff that a kid would do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you're like, wow, what is this? Cause it's, you know, it kind of has that, uh, you know, that kind of Lewis Carroll kind of, you know, Alice in Wonderland, you know, by way of doing you know, illicit drugs kind of, uh, you know, you know, uh, imagery or whatever. But, you know, to a child, it's just like, wow. I mean, to me, at least, I was like the imagination on display was just, you know, I could I could relate to that. I really I really dug it. I, and I liked I liked the darker, more complex and more produced stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my earliest introduction to them. Um, and then, of course, I mean, you know, I mean, if, if you want to get into songs or learning to play songs, you're going to end up learning a Beatles song at some point, you know, which is just, this is the thing that amazes me about the Beatles too, is like, you talk about how popular they are and omnipresent. And yes, it's true. I mean, they're, you know, I mean, it's like, they're kind of like, I mean, how, how does one not know about the Beatles, you know, and how have they been, Maybe I should keep. Maybe I should. Keep, I should. Get, I should get to this later. Maybe I should keep going on my my formative parts with sure. it. But sure. You know, um, I guess what I'm getting at is that you know, learning guitar. When I got into like learning guitar, like I, I think I might have learned uh, eight days a week was played like in a school I went to. So you know, I'm like a nine year old kid playing like eight days a week, and um, I think. Oh God, this is a really weird memory. But now this is coming back to me. I remember we. Uh, we were learning about animals like in class or something. So they, they changed the lyrics to being about lions or something. And they used the music to eight days a week. So it was like, yes, we really do tell you about lions. They live at a zoo. That kind of thing. You know, <laughs> love them, lions. I really love them lions. You know, I don't know. Rah, 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 rah. I don't know what the word is. I can't remember it. But, uh, you know, I mean, when you're a kid, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I would defy, I mean, maybe not in the modern era. I don't know. Maybe I would defy any child to not be able to hear the Beatles at some point. And when you're when you're that, when you're young and, and not think there was something catchy and memorable about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, taste change and all that stuff like that. But um, anyways, uh, the Beatles just, 
I don't, I don't know if they were quite in the session yet, though, because at a certain point in my musical evolution, the Beatles became a full-on obsession, which I'm sure you you guys might be able to relate to. That at a certain point, you know, you may have just loved the music and you thought, oh, they're cool and they're, they, you know, they're uh, they're cute and they're funny and whatever. And there's these cool movies and oh, Yellow Submarine's a fun movie to watch. But at a certain point, you know. I argue that if you're, you know, into the Beatles, uh, you know, a switch gets flipped and you go full tilt into obsession mode. Yep. Not just, well, not everybody, but I mean, a lot of people, you <laughs> know, me. and like, I, well, there, there you go. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that not everybody, you know, I mean, not everybody geeks out on it in the same way too, you know? Um, but you know, for me, I definitely, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid at one point and drank a lot of it and, <laughs> You know, that had to do with wanting to make music and, you know, I guess studying music. And, you know, at first it's not like it's not like I'm trying to dissect a song. I'm just enjoying the song. It's just I'm just reacting to it or responding to it, you know, emotionally and, and viscerally. But at a certain point, when you start to look at the parts behind the, you know, the makeup of some, it's like they, you know, were a great starting point. Um because I don't know how they managed to in, you know, and I'm going to argue it said what was it to say it was a 62 through what was it 66 62 to 66 yeah, and then okay and then 67 to 70. I'm going to argue that I mean by the time they got to 1970 they'd already pretty much recorded most. I mean like they put out Let It Be I think was put out after Abbey Road yeah but right? like, but that compilation but that encompasses but- Let It Be like they. That's sure, but it, but it had also been like a lot of it been rec- they've recorded a lot of that before. It's like you know, it's I guess what I'm trying to get at is it seems like really they had like you could say it's like eight years, but I'm going to say it's to me it seems almost more like six years, yeah, six or seven, you know, six years of them just like growing at such an exponential rate that it's just unfathomable when you really look at it at any point in history. It's like still today it doesn't make sense that. You could go from please please me to strawberry fields, you know, in the short time span that they did. It's just and have uh, lives, I guess, and <laughs> right? you know, tour, you know, and breathe and, and make sleep, movies and like and make movies, you yeah. know, and just and also you know the, the whole sh- the whole shebang. It's just you know. Which leads me to why I kind of got obsessed with them at one point, which is probably when I started working at the record store I was telling you about in Bellingham. It was, uh, I had a great, uh, this, the, the manager there, he's still a great friend of mine. He was actually like a mentor to me. Also, you know, uh, you know, he, he turned me on to Odyssey and Oracle by the Zombies mm. for the first, you know, these kind of things. We, he, he showed me a lot of great music and we, and he was also a Beatles fanatic as well. But something that occurred when I started working there at the store was it was right when CDs were starting to appear on the market. And some of the first CDs to arrive in our stores were, uh, they started reissuing the Beatles on CDs. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like they were, they were kind of like dealing it out, like, you know, a dealer to you, like what, like two or three at a time. I yeah, think. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember if it was two or time or three, but you know, I mean, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And, you know, they got through Beatles for, for sales. Like, yeah, there's some great songs. And then, then like, you know, um, I dug Hard Day's Night, and then, but then, then like Help arrived, and I was like, oh, you know. And then I watched, I started, I gotta check out this movie. You know, I'd never really seen Help before. Mm. I'd seen Alyssa Marine, but then, and then one by one, they just, you know. Uh, and then I got into Rubber Soul, 
and that was it. I was just like, wait a second, like these things sound amazing. And I was also, it also coincided with me starting to um, be a recording engineer because, you know, I, I'd had this, uh, my, my father built a small, but, you know, and very modest, but yet very powerful uh, eight track analog recording studio in our family rec room like our, our laundry room he turned wow. it into a control room and had someone come in and you know to do it up with some wood and it was it was small it was it was you know it was nothing like uh super like you know palatial or anything like that and um but i had a place that i could go and work on you know on making records and what a perfect time to have that coincide with dissecting you know these beatles records so i just kind of went down the rabbit hole and i didn't I didn't come up with the Beatles for, I mean, geez. I mean, I don't know if I, yeah, I think after, after like 19, after a couple, two or three Posies records, I was like, okay, I need to put the Beatles away. But pretty much, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you listen to the early Posies records, there's so many Beatles references. It's yeah. just kind of, you know, like, and there were, some of our favorite bands were referencing the beatles as well i mean you know, we were huge uh i was a huge xtc fan mm -hmm. you know um i mean there's another band that completely references the beatles i mean i mean so it kind of became like a game it kind of became like learning a language or something to kind of to geek out on a bit but uh yeah that's you know i mean from that that point on it was just like you know from 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 those days of recording and dissecting those early cds i just I really found it hard to find, I found people that were different, but I couldn't argue that anybody was ever going to be like, I mean, better is such a weird way of saying yeah. things to me, especially, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, I can't, I don't think you can really compare the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, although people tried. I mean, you know, I mean, Exile Main Street is completely amazing for a reason that the Beatles would never have been able to done in, you know, uh, in, in my opinion, oh, for sure. but I gotta, but I gotta be honest. I mean, if I'm gonna pick the the Desert Island catalog, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, you know, be coy and pretend like, well, I don't wanna pick the Beatles because everybody else would pick the Beatles or everybody else talks about the Beatles. It's just there's just literally so much variance and growth and innovation at every stage. Every stage. At everything that they, they did, whether it was the recording, the, the lyrics the melodies, the production, the technical aspects of recording. I mean, I just, I think it's a, it's, it'd be a fool's errand for anybody to honestly say that you could find a catalog that has more innovation overall. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it might as well be the, you know, it, it might as well be the alphabet when it, as far as when it comes to like, in terms of like, you know, in a way it is. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, that's maybe I'm going a little over the top and I'm getting a little... Well, no, I, I think that's I think that's spot on, and that that's honestly kind of the impetus behind what made this idea and this podcast was like, I you know I made this list. I don't necessarily think it's right, like it's my own personal opinion. I and I even still think the idea. I'm not saying anything's better than like, you know, song 118 is not necessarily a better song in my opinion than song 140 it's personal preference it's impact it's feel um but i don't know that any other band does that like you're saying in the same vein and the, the thing that i kept noticing over years and years was 
especially talking with other musicians, we would have these kind of same conversations like you and I, like we're, the three of us are having right now is like this bizarrely impactful thing that only like this one band has really done on a near universal level. <laughs> like it's really weird. Yeah. It makes, it makes you wonder if, like if they were aliens yeah. in a way, like, from another planet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not even kidding. It's like, I, you know why? Because when I put it away for a long time or I'm not as obsessed with it, and then something will trigger it and I'll come back to it. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, what am I gonna be? I, I hopefully I'm gonna tell you something here that other people aren't saying, but I'm probably gonna be, you know, other people aren't saying, but I'm probably gonna reiterate a couple things that other people would say, like, you know, uh, I wasn't sure if I was gonna wanna sit through, honestly, six hours of the get back. Yeah. You know, I mean, as, as, as intense as I am on the Beatles, I was like, do I really, you know, six hours, you know? And, uh, you, you know, that only made me seeing that only made me even think that they were more amazing yeah <laughs> which yeah. is which was just like that kind of scared me because i'm like we're talking about i mean six hours is, of sitting like, around <laughs> like, like noodling your way well, into an amazing song just like fig like paul just sitting there like noodling figuring out like whatever song i forget what it was yeah okay yeah <laughs> and it, like just watching this song develop is kind of, and you're like that's a really good song and he just like did it like did it yeah <laughs> just like was like right. oh like, what about like this little thing to, like what somebody had to come up with this stuff and they did and there it is in real time and you kind of yeah totally it's just it's, it's wild because you think we'd, we'd all be tired of it by now that's how i feel about it like yeah. you think the world you know it's, oh, okay it's you know hey the, oh you know we, we talked about this forever but i could talk about it through i still love talking about it because it it actually has that much depth and has that much worth and value, I think. I mean, it's... Listen, we're doing know, a whole it, fucking podcast it, about it. Like, what? Is it an original thing to say the Beatles are the greatest? Or is it like, you know, or like what we're saying? Like, you know, you know, no, but that's because there's no other way to say it, in my opinion. I'm not just... Yeah. I think if, you're gonna, if, if, if I'm going to pick one, you know... One group, I'd say. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll be honest. If I was going to pick a singer-songwriter, I probably would pick Joni Mitchell. Would be like my like. That's like another left field thing for me. But sure. you know, like sure. in terms of like some someone who's at the top of their game lyrically, compositionally, singing. Like I don't think you know anybody can really touch her in terms of of like vocals, male or female. To be yeah. honest, in terms of like and just like you know. People say like Bob. I mean, she has her her lyrics had as much poetry, if not more, than than Bob Dylan's, in, in my opinion. Sure. So, but that's you know that's that's a such a, a, a solo artist. But as a group, and that's and there's another thing. Here we go to the next layer of uh, oh the <laughs> onion, the glass onion. Sorry. Um, but uh, you know, it's what a group. I mean, it's not just like. You know, it, you, when I see the questions we're going to be getting into eventually, like, you know, where we're, we're talking about, well, who's your favorite? And all, I'm like, holy, how do you, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, you might lean, you might lean one direction, but it's like, I mean, you know, if you pull, if you pull one of them out of the group, like, it's a, it's a different band. I yeah. mean, really, I mean, you could say, okay, uh, yes, you could say, you know, Paul McCartney and John Lennon being together, that's, you know probably like you know the core of it okay you could say that i think that's fair but then like can you can you imagine revolver without taxman yeah i mean can you imagine abbey road without something i mean can you imagine the and, and, and it's like you know can you imagine like 
anybody else but Ringo Starr playing drums. I mean, I know Paul played drums on some things and some others, but I'm talking overall. Right, but like, like think of like the Beatles like, with Ginger Baker on drums. Like, no, I don't. That it, does not Keith appeal Moon, to it's me. Like, I can't, it's like, you know, can't imagine The Who without Keith Moon. I can't imagine, you know, the Beatles without Ringo Starr. It's like, it's like there's there's not a weak link in that that fucking chain, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's just like, and then it's not just like they had like one or two standout cuts. It's like, how do you pick? They fit so you know, well so, together like, so, all the time. Yeah, yeah. I know? actually, so, I, again, I, it's funny. I was thinking this last night. I was driving home, and I put on the Beatles uh, Sirius channel in my car because I'm a nerd. And there was a live version of Taxman. You can attest to that. Right. <laughs> there was a live version of Taxman on uh, from the co-headline tour that he did with Eric Clapton in, I guess, the late 80s. Um, or maybe it's not. It was... Uh, it, was a, it wasn't Taxman. It was a different song. I forget. Um, but Clapton just kept, like, noodling all over it. And I was just thinking, like... Shut does, up. That doesn't... That's not what I want from this. Like... It just it made me feel like it was that feeling of realizing like how much the players and the school of thought that go into the parts and the, the in, into the way they play make those songs work so well. Um, you know when absolutely and it, that kind of makes it made me made me think about um, like jo, uh, Paul and, and George with the um, the Hey Jude argument of George wanting to do like kind of response licks to every vocal and Paul not wanting that and then kind of butting heads about that and that being a sticking point for them. And I think Paul was right in that art in that case, but you know, I do too. it's one of those things where it's just like those little changes can make things totally different and kind of almost turn me off sometimes to those songs. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's so, uh, everything they, they almost everything they put out, everything seemed to be, you know, there weren't any seeds or chaff. It was like all essential. Like all the yeah. parts were honed down to like, you know, if something was missing, I mean, uh, and even just things that are deceptively simple too. Like, um, what's the, uh, what's the, Oh God. Is it, and I love her. Is it the guitar? Dun, dun, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, ding, ding. I think, I think, I think actually McCartney ended up, if I'm right, if I'm geeking out enough. on Oh, this, no, you think you're talking, um, uh, I'll be back on a hard day's night, but I'll be mm. back again. Bom, 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 bom. Well, maybe that's maybe that's maybe you're right. I'm, what, there was something in um, maybe it's maybe it was McCartney gave some credit to like Harrison for coming up with something that he wouldn't have thought of. Basically. Oh, then that's and I love her. Yeah, and it's just like it was such, right. And it was just like that was such a you know it's so deceptively simple yet it is so memorable. Mm-hmm. It's just like memorable it's just like you know everything is memorable there's such there's there's so little that isn't memorable you know which uh i mean i was looking over the looking over the list so far and i gotta say man you gotta it's a hard task because you know i start looking at your list and it actually pisses me off sometimes (laughs) because i'm like come on dude i'm 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 like you know you're gonna put all this down and i'm like but then as you start going up the list you're like well it's like it's (laughs) when you look at the whole catalog the choices that you have to make you know what i'm saying it's like you know um you know that being said, we can get into that at some point if you want to, you know, we can, uh, we can duke that back and forth. But it's just like, it really is like, you know, when you're putting like the first two cuts on Sergeant Pepper's like halfway, you know, up the list that like you've got a lot of good songs to contend with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, oh, yeah. for sure. Insane. Or, you know, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of like, uh, 
I, I love like Rubber Soul is where the, the Beatles really just take off for me. Mm-hmm. Not that there aren't great songs like everything else. And I mean, every, I mean, you know, help is amazing. There's so much amazing stuff. And, you know, I love you can't do that off of Hard Day's Night. And I mean, I'm a loser. I mean, you know, but Rubber Soul is where it really isn't it. Nowhere Man's on Rubber Soul, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's like that record. So you've, you've got you've got the word. The word is criminally low on your list. I think was too far off to say, but but then I, as soon as I did that, I started looking at your list. I was like, well, you know, what are you going to do? It's just like there's just too much good stuff to, to choose from. Yeah. You know? Too much good stuff. It yeah, really is. That's right. That's their blessing and their it's curse. A bad problem. To, or good problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, let's uh, let's turn our focus to the song this week. Um, friends, coming in at number one eighteen is "She Said She Said." In March of 1965, John and George became the first of the Beatles to try LSD. It wasn't necessarily an intended experiment, as they were famously dosed by a dentist they were having dinner with who spiked their tea. You ever had dinner with your dentist, John? Like, who goes to dinner with Uh, you know, but I, I, I'm loving the, allit- the alliteration of that, though. Dinner with, <laughs> dinner dinner with, with your dentist. dentist. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the Beatles anthology, uh, George says that the change of perception he and John experienced after this had been such that they could no longer relate to the other two Beatles in the aftermath. Quote, not just on the one level, we couldn't relate to them on any level because acid had changed us so much. Now, this became a sticking point, as while the band were certainly no strangers to drugs, uh, by this point, they'd been smoking copious amounts of weed and had come through the Hamburg years with a healthy appetite for pills and speed. But with both Paul and Ringo not having yet had the acid experience, it became something John and George would rib them about occasionally. So on the Beatles' U.S. summer tour in 1965, the band took a weeks-long break at a rented house in Beverly Hills. Uh, They regularly hosted parties while staying there, and on the night of August 24th, uh, they were with a group including guests uh, Roger McGuinn and David Crosby of The Birds and actor Peter Fonda. On this night, somebody supplied acid for the party, and the idea of maintaining band unity came up among the Beatles. Ringo agreed to partake this time, but Paul abstained again, refusing to take it, though he would eventually try it for the first time in December of 65. As the party wore on, though, seemingly all the guests were tripping together. Uh, In a large sunken tub in this rented house, Lennon, Harrison, McGuinn, Crosby, and Fonda all found themselves on different journeys. At one point, Harrison's trip took a turn for the worse, and he felt like he was dying. Peter Fonda uh, felt he had some experience with this. When he was 11, he'd accidentally shot himself in the abdomen and nearly died, (laughs) at one point flatlining on the operating table. In an effort to try and console George, he kept telling him, 
I know what it's like to be dead. John recalled in an interview that he went even as far as showing them the scar from his bullet wound. Uh, he kept repeating this and let that happened him to me last week, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh, let... wait, I'm in Canada. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, healthcare. Um, Lennon asked him in so many words to please stop talking and asked him actually, who put all this shit in your head? Now, this incident really stu- uh, stuck with Lennon and in March of 66 began working on a song originally entitled He Said before changing the pronouns to make it less ambiguous. Uh, ambiguous. Uh, that doesn't really do much to change it. Uh, the song existed in fragments for a while, and as the band were wrapping up sessions for Revolver, they found themselves in need of one more song, but with only a couple days left to finish recording. On June 21st of 66, two days before the band had to leave for Germany for a tour, they worked at EMI's Abbey Road Studios, with some work having been done beforehand by John and George, who, as we mentioned earlier, were having a harder time relating and connecting to Paul at this point. You don't get a lot of the John and George collaboration, though, uh, until this song. The, the band ran through some 25 takes of rehearsal for this track in the studio, followed by three to get a backing track. Now, this is where things get a bit muddy in the story here. Uh, Paul has claimed over the years that during the recording of this song, he and John got into an argument and Paul left for the night and the other three finished the song with George recording the bass. That's historically been the story we've been told. But in the Revolver box set in 2022, uh, it's noted that Paul has heard vocally uh, and present on the backing track take, which possibly debunks that it's George playing. But if Paul did indeed leave before overdubs, it's possible George redid the bass part. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, author and host of the great Something About the Beatles podcast, has noted that musically and sonically, the bass part doesn't really sound too much like something Paul would play. And there are also photos from the Revolver session of George playing a Burns bass guitar. Now, further adding to the mystery, the tape logs show a piano track was added at some point, uh, but no piano was found on the master tape. So it's quite possible that this argument was over a proposed piano track, which was then wiped after the argument, but this mystery still persists. Uh, and then this song and story resurfaced during the Get Back sessions, which we can now hear thanks to Peter Jackson and his team, uh, during the microphone in the flower pot discussion that John and Paul have about how they've treated George. John discusses his feelings about how Paul sometimes uh, directs John's songs to places that he doesn't really like, and uh, with it becoming an issue to where he would have to bring George in to try and pull it back closer to John's vision, to which John replies, like she said, she said, and John agrees. Uh, The song was ultimately released on Revolver in August of 1966, was never performed live by the band, nor by any of the members in their solo careers. Now, why do I have this song at 118? Now, I've mentioned before how certain songs kind of embody kind of the whole vibe and feeling of, and sonics of an album for me. Um, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before in regards to Dr. Robert specifically, but this is another Revolver track that really kind of sums up the Revolver experience for me. Sonically, it's super exciting. Um, there, you know, there are these guitars I hear when I think of Revolver. It's this and, you know, these are the, 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 this is that tone. It's this song and And Your Bird Can Sing and Dr. Robert that, like, these are the Revolver guitars. They're bright. They're metallic, kind of chiming. Uh, the riffs that George plays throughout are in this cool kind of gray area of bluesy, but also kind of Middle Eastern-y and drony. Like, they sound like they could easily be a sitar part. Um, there's a lot of room in the track for things to breathe. Uh, John's not just kind of chugging chords the whole time. He's playing a bit more minimalist rhythm guitar. And yeah, the bass isn't nearly as melodic as Paul's usually doing at this time, so you get a lot of room also for the drums to ring out, and I love the way the drums sound on this song. 
Um, and, you know, George kind of fills in the spaces with these little guitar runs. It feels live, but in a more kind of mature way. They're not just bashing something out here. It feels like a real thought out uh, performance. Um, and I've always felt kind of a, a detachment to this song lyrically, though. And I think that's maybe what keeps it in the middle of the pack for me. It's not something I can really connect or put myself into, especially lyrically, uh, with the exception of the bridge, which I think for me is where the song really soars. You get this key change, this cool time signature change into 3-4, but Ringo just kind of keeps quarter notes going. And I love John's great melody that on the When I Was a Boy part, it really is, it's evocative and really brings back that kind of feeling of childhood and youth and everything being right and good and open and fun. And it's just this short little section before you get back to this kind of weird darkness of adulthood. Uh, but all in all, I think the song succeeds in a lot of places for me, um, especially in that kind of detached acid coolness that John gives off in the Revolver era. Uh, but it's not really something I feel a super connection to, and that's maybe what keeps it a little bit lower down the list for me. So that's my thoughts. John, 118, she said, she said, I throw it over to you. Wow. Well, 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 well put. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sir. And 118, I mean, there's how many? There's 223 songs 223. on the list. Is yeah. that right? Yep. 223. I love that number 23. Big number for me. So 223 cool. is good. 118 is, uh, I gotta say, it's, it probably would be a little low on the list for me. Yeah. Um, personally, um, just because of the impact it's had on me personally i think this is even the first time i heard that song everything you've said about it i agree with um it's interesting you, you talk about the lyrical aspect of it as you do because i know that it is kind of it does have that kind of uh psychedelic what's being talked about kind of quality in a way but there's also something so mysterious about it you know to me like i it made me wonder what is actually what 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 is he talking about what is he referring to and it was interesting to hear of course the famous story about you know peter fonda and i know i know what it's like to be dead and all that and you're like oh okay and, and he also you get a glimpse behind the curtain of like what anyone who writes songs or a lot of people who write songs do which is they just hear stuff that influences them out of from from you know a multitude of sources mm -hmm. it can just be a passing conversation or it can be a friend and often they take these little things that, you know, trigger some kind of kernel of inspiration and they turn it into something that becomes a great song, you know. Um, it also, it's funny to note that everything, many things come from somewhere. People think like, well, the, the, the artist just made all this stuff up, you know, and, you know, like out of their head. And you're like, oh, well, no, they were, they maybe they had, they had their antennas, their antenna was up and they received some of these things. And they, you know, there's the, there's the it makes me think of the famous story of, uh, of Keep On Rocking in the Free World you know, by Neil Young, which was a phrase that Frank San Pedro, his guitar player and Crazy Horse, said all the time. Mm. And he turned it into a song eventually. And actually, he actually eventually gave Frank some publishing money because Frank said, hey, dude, that was... <laughs> you know where you phrase. got that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, but, but you, you think like, oh, well, John Lennon just came up with those lyrics, but really he got it from someplace. So yeah. that's interesting, you know, that, you know, when you don't know the sources, you might think that, you know, the writer, you know, has more going on up there than they they actually did it, you know, because like he just he he was able to take that and turn it into something. But I think lyrically, what I like too is what you also mentioned, which is, and I want to use the word, uh, the phrase, the juxtaposition, I guess, between the bridge and the rest of the lyrics, because when it does get to the line, "When I was a boy, everything was right," you know, like that just kind of turns everything on its head mm -hmm. because you're really wondering what's going on and. 
you're, you're, you're trying to figure out this conversation, this apparent conversation, you know, and what it really means. But somehow that it just diverts your attention enough and takes you back to a place, you know, for me in myself where I can really relate to that moment of, of looking back and thinking about, you know, the world is kind of a wondrous place and safe and all those kind of things that when you're, you know, the things you hopefully experience when you're young, you know, but, uh, and, and that kind of, when, it, when then you get back into the rest of the song, it's kind of brilliant, really. It's such a simple little trick, mm-hmm. but then, you know, you, th- then it's like, you know, when I was a boy, everything was right. It, it kind of makes you open your mind even a bit more to what's going on in the song, yeah. you know, and you, you're just like, wow, I can just experience this. It doesn't have to be literal. It doesn't have to be completely spelled out. Um, so I, I really dig the lyrics on, on it. And, um, but it, I think whether I even understood the lyrics or not, there's just, it's one of the, the most, I don't want to use the word rocking cause that's kind of cliched. It's not, cause it's not like rocking, like in a, you know, Bachman Turner overdrive kind of sense <laughs> or fog hat or something, you know, it's, and I don't want to say it's power pop either, you know, like, mm. I mean, you could say maybe people said the early, earliest, you know, version of the power pop was maybe someone like the who or something like that. But I would even say it's someone like, you know, Johnny Kidd and the Pirates who, uh, you know, I think uh, I want to say they might have done like shaking all over first. A lot of things that would have influenced, you know, groups that, that became more famous than them. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, there, there is an aspect where you could say this is pop and it's powerful. It's like it 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 does you know, it's, it's not an easy listening track, yeah. you know, and yet it's still, it's still really melodic. It, it just, it just straddles the fences in so many it different does, ways. Yeah. And, you know, and you mentioned that guitar tone too. I mean, that line, if you really think about it, you break it down from a musical standpoint, really, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's strange. It's not, it's not super complex, but it's not really, it's kind of deceptive in its simplicity because really it's echoing the, you know, part of the melody. If you really break it down, do, 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 you know, well, hold on a sec. <laughs> oh, hello. let me just grab this guitar right here. No big deal. Right. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of restructuring that a little bit, but just adding just like a little jump and a hook in there that makes it, I don't know. It's just such, again, you know, somebody who's into Jaco Pastorius or, you know, a fan of Primus or no offense to anyone who's a fan of Primus, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying like, I, I love prog rock too. I'm a, I, I do. I'm not going to lie and say that I don't, but what I'm saying is like, there, there could be people who would snub their noses at it and say like, well, that's a really simple, you know, George Harrison is playing really simple parts. He wasn't, but it's, it's actually kind of innovative mm-hmm. in, a, in a very subtle way. It's just like, I, I never heard anything quite like that before. And I still, I mean, it, it's, it's a template in a way. And then the tone too, like to geek out on that, just, wow. I don't know if, I mean, is it, is it, I think it's either casino, like to, to nerd out on the gear for a second, it's yeah. either casino through boxes or is there an SG? It, it's just, it's one of the coolest guitar lead tones, you know, and they've got a few of them on the records. Taxman being another one, I think on that same record, Yeah, but like, Wow, when I think of like cool, biting, melodic lead line, I think of that. Yeah, you know, uh, it's fantastic. And then to top that off, uh, it, it is odd to think. I don't think. Well, I can put. There, there's nobody else but Ringo Starr that could have played drums mm. on 
on that recording. I mean, I mean, someone else could have, but I, I think he's as much of a reason as why that song is as amazing too as the song itself. Yeah, because he's really he's playing hooks, you yeah. know, and like he doesn't play like anybody else, and and he lands in places that no one else would or would think of, or you know, I don't, you know, I guess he just did it naturally, and that's what came to him. I mean. But uh, mad props to him on that track. It's one of my favorite drum tracks of his. Just incredible feel, yeah. you know. Um, again, heavy, but also light at the like you know nimble. It's like a nimble but heavy kind of part. Um, and what else have I got on this? Oh well, the vocals. Like you mentioned, the whole thing. I I can't remember whether I'd forgotten about the whole con- you know controversy uh, about whether Paul was on the track or not, <laughs> but. You know, it, it's weird when I, I heard about that actually recently with the, with the recent uh, uh, Giles Martin re- remix of, uh, of the record, which I thought was pretty amazing. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about, well, you know, maybe maybe Paul isn't on this. And I thought, OK, well, I'll listen to it. And I was like, wow, that that really could be George Harrison singing those high harmonies. If you listen to it on headphones, you're like, there's something about it that it could. It almost sounds like it could be George trying to sound like Paul. Yeah. In a weird kind of way, you know, but I don't know. I mean. You tell me, is it Paul? Is Paul on the track? Do I don't think? think. I don't. I don't think vocally he's. I don't. I. I don't think he's singing on it. I think he might have been there when they tracked it, but I think mm-hmm. there's also at least some known bass overdubs on there, like some punch ins here and there. But I don't know, right. man. This is like at this point, like. Paul has started to take some lead guitar parts and, you know, yeah. maybe George is like, well, fuck it. It's my turn. Like, <laughs> I'll play a bass part. Because it, it, there, well, t- there are times where it sounds McCartney-esque, but it sounds like someone trying to play like McCartney. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like McCartney, I think. Yeah. No, I hear you. And that's, that's where I'm kind of like, when I started listening to it from that perspective, I was like, wow, it actually, it could be, it could totally be true. Either way, it could honestly be true, I think. But when I started listening to it with that in mind, I was like, oh, no, that, that really could be George. Yeah. You know, it really could. And um, but, you know, I mean, come on, man, the vocals do on it are just incredible on the harmonies and the cool counterpoints. And hey, man, I mean, what? How long is the song? Two minutes and two and some change. What do you yeah. think? Two and some change. I mean, it's just talk about, you know, a perfect little burst of of song there. You yeah. know, so. Um, and you know we we uh, the Posies covered that back in the day. We we did it like I think back in we started doing it like in 1989. We did it for a few oh, nice. years, even dating. So it was just you know, and I think we covered Rain too. But those oh, two yeah. I think were the ones. That were, yeah. So I also but, I meant anyway. to say also I love the ending how it goes into kind of like that double time part that Ringo just kind of like kicks out right. out of nowhere because they're like how do you fade it out? Well let's just go a little bit faster, make it rock a little more. <laughs> that's great. Like yeah. that's a cool move. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's, that reminds me of another thing about it too, which is um, there's something about that track that seems—I don't want to say it's like just totally off the cuff, because or it's like a throw, like they, they just, you know, it was a throwaway track they were working on, because they obviously put some time in on it. But there's there's a perfect amount of roughness around the edges on that one too. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like it's not—it's by no means is it pristine in its approach right yet it's still it still hits all the notes but there's just enough of like you think things might fall apart or the doubles on the vocals aren't you know totally like you know karen carpenter level of perfection or right. something you know and yeah. it's, it's like it's got that it's got that edge to it so 
I put I, I, don't, I don't it's tough because I don't know you know I have to look at the rest of the list and I say it now but you know I want to say it would be in my top 30 probably wow yeah, personally wow yeah I, I mean I, I want to I say that now but I yeah. once you start going through I mean when you when you when when you actually approached me about this and we're like hey let's actually do this and I started trying to make a list of like well what is your favorite song and what do you like the most right. it's just <laughs> It's impossible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it also, really like, is. it changes all the time. Like, you know, guttural, I think I might have this a little bit low. Like, maybe I'd put it closer to 100. I don't know. But I'll reassess at some point. Julia, what are you thinking on this one, dear? Um, I'm with you guys. Like, the guitar tone on this one is it's so good, fantastic. Right? It's like 10 out of 10, no notes. Just like nailed it. It's so it's like weird. Yeah. Like like you said, like it almost is. like sitar esque. Like it, it's sort something about it is like sort of fuzzy. Like it. Um, have you ever? <laughs> this is like such a weird reference. But do you know those? Um, like the singing bowls, like the crystal singing bowls, where you like roll sort of like a. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, there's, one, there's, there's one in the next room, actually, okay, that belongs so, to my partner. So you know how yes, it sort of, like, reverberates in your ears? Like, that it sort of... It resonates. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't... Yeah, I'm totally. not a musician. I don't know these terms. But, like, do you, like it sort of touches that. Like, it's going in that direction of just, like, sort of, like, fuzzy, like, just, like, tickles your ear in a way. Yeah. And it's, like, so yeah. good. I love it. I love it. It's very good. It's the reason I got yeah, an Epiphone Casino was, was <laughs> these three songs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like this record, like the tone of that record was like everything to me. Yeah. That's cute. So yeah, I mean that's that's really what that's really what the record where the guitar tones, I mean, really come into their own. I think that's another attraction to it for me. Being, you know, I mean, a guitar player. I mean, one of the that's. I mean, I did drums first and got into a little bit, and I sang in choir, but but guitar was something I really tripped out on. And just the tone of that, you're right. It's like that's revolver. It's just I mean all the way. I mean, you know, not to digress into other things, but. uh but I mean, like, give me Taxman. I mean, the guitar solo on that. I mean, that's that's, killer. that's Paul. Yeah. Right. But it's just like the tone is just incredible. It's all about the tones on that for sure. And you know, one last thing you're talking about the tone of that guitar on that part. I guess it's 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 the echoes in that song. Like I was talking about how that intro riff is actually kind of copying part of the melody. Mm-hmm. But it's also like never making me feel like I've never been born. <laughs> I'm not even in tune. That was really shitty. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like, that's another aspect about it. And then they do the rounds, like the, at the end of the shoot, you know, where they're, they're they just kind of, it becomes um, like a psychedelic fuzzy nursery rhyme or something yeah. almost, you know? It does that you kind know. of like swirling thing where it just kind of, the trip just kind of overtakes you a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can get lost in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole song is, like, it's very, like, dreamy and winding, like, all the, the sort of, like, little bit more psychedelic parts. Um, I really like that, like, and you guys touched on this as well, but, like, the tempo change. It is at the bridge. Yeah. Where he starts with, when I was a boy. Don't make me sing. Nailed it. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear me sing. Um, but I, it's, like, because you're sort of in like this like dream space of like the cool guitar tone and you know the vocals and everything is like very cool and then it just stops and it's just like this like a little more sort of like rigid mm-hmm. part which is funny because in your description Jonathan you were saying how it it sort of like feels like childhood and like a little more like loose as a as a counterpoint to like the darkness of the other part but mm-hmm. i kind of feel the opposite about it like I, Interesting. I feel like 
sometimes when um, people in the world, not me, ever do drugs um sometimes you'll have this moment where you're like everything is great and wonderful and i'm just like having this great time and then you're like oh fuck why is my heart beating so fast am i dying and then someone kind of like basically what happened is like someone kind of talks you down and then you go back into your little happy dream space like Mm -hmm. that's what it kind of feels like a little bit for me like that little bit more um what was the word i used rigid rigid part like the, the boy part. Sure. Feels yeah, like that, I, like, I could oh, shit moment. And then it's like, oh, no, we're good. Ah, da, da, da. Well, it's interesting because it, 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 <laughs> does, it does kind of start to swirl. Like, lyrically, it has that kind of maybe re- more reassuring thing. But but then you're right. The music, it's kind of like, what time are they in? Like, what's the time? What's what's going on here? And it has this weird kind of, like, waltz, marchy kind of. Yeah. It's very, it was actually very hard to remember where to, to how to do it. When you're doing it live and playing that song, yeah. it's like you got you got to think about it because it's it's actually quite tricky. Again, deceptively simple, mm-hmm. which just seems to be their forte in a lot of ways. But then, yeah, when it comes back right in on I said, you know, I you know you know what you know and it just it just hits it and you you're, you drop right back into that riff which actually is kind of reassuring because it's like something to hold on to this kind of just like driving at that point i yeah. think for me too and if i could say one more thing too is that <laughs> it rocked in a way that only they could have done like it's not blues based rock it's not like punk rock it's not you know what i mean it's like it's just them it's yeah. like they somehow it's not like you could you could say like well you know, the Yardbirds and Cream and Led Zeppelin, they all came from like this blues steep tradition, you know, and there's things that could be interchangeable in there, but no one else could have played that kind of rock and roll the way they did it. It's just the Beatles doing rock and roll. It's not like them doing a, a version of rock and roll. They kind of they kind of created a, a new little template, basically. Yeah. You know? A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 It's almost like they created like the, the template of like what Oasis does, like or did. It's not Beatles by numbers, no, right. I mean, but like it's like that weird no, line of like that. vaguely psychedelic, you know, mel- melody is king, um, hooks everywhere. But yeah, it's not like Zeppelin kind of blues based stuff. Um, it's not your little Richard rock type thing. It's like its own little weird little psychedelic British thing. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know? It's like they took small enough pieces of everything they loved and threw them together so that it yeah. was like completely unidentifiable. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like it, it's not close enough to sound like anything else but themselves. But yeah. if you listen really yeah. hard, you'll have a second of something. You're like, ooh, that's a little bit like, mm, bah, bah, bah. Mm. yeah, right. I well, you know, I kind that, of feel like that. That raises a good point because it's funny, you know, with everybody has such access to references now, and everything is, you know. You've got bands that are trying to sound like bands that sounded like, that sounded like, that sounded like, <laughs> you know, like fifth generation versions of Led Zeppelin, you know, um, God, what's the band? Come on. I mean, you know, Greta Van Fleet. I, I'm not really, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't like to shit talk about bands, but Greta Van Fleet, like I kind of, I'm like, you know, I'm sure they're great guys and everything. I'm just like, wow, that is just straight up. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's like it's like zero degrees of like separation from the influence and what you're doing. That seems to me past the point of homage. Right. You know, just a polite way of putting it. Sorry, Greta Van Fleet. You probably think I'm a jerk for saying that if you even. But do in this, some ways, it's kind of cool to be like, you know what? But, I wish there was a new Led Zeppelin album. I'll make it. Well, <laughs> like that's kind of a great thing. 
this is my point though is that then I, then I kind of relax on that a little bit though because I, I realized well you know what I mean you can clearly trace back what led Zeppelin's soul oh yeah their songs <laughs> from I mean and, and, and to be honest the Beatles as well mm-hmm. you know um it is uh it's surprising like when you like there's what's the riff where I feel fine I forget the dun, I just dun, found dun, that dun, one dun, dun, dun. yeah that's um yeah it's, it's I forget. Yeah, I remember talking about that with someone recently too. But yeah, that's that's another like, blues tune. Or like you know, Lady Madonna. Like, isn't it's like you know, what's the fat stuff? Din, 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 din. Yep. It's like or or there's a, there's a there's an English piano uh, kind of boogie woogie piano guy. I was like, holy shit! Like, I can totally hear what McCartney's totally took that rhythm. And see, just it, it just you don't have as we didn't have as much access to those things as you know. So it, it, I, I can kind of see how it's it, it's valid, you know, and and. Uh, that you know people sound like other people because everybody gets i mean even the beatles took it you know took stuff from other people I, that said whatever they did take they managed to well i mean whether you like you know whether you like quentin tarantino or not i mean and the guy is like taken so much from just lifted things from other films yeah. basically <laughs> but you know i do enjoy his movies and i do think he puts things together it's how he puts things together and takes what he did. He doesn't just do a copy of it. He, he adds something and adds his own twists. Um, and I think the Beatles do that too. Not everybody does that. So, yeah. uh, and the and honestly, the Beatles did it a lot less than a lot of other people do. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like, you know, like they ripped off tons of people, but they did have their influences. I mean, come together, you know, uh, the Chuck Berry tune. It's, yep. That's the same riff, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. my sweet Lord is, you know, George, he's so fine. It is this. It is the same yeah. progression, you know. Yep. Anyways, we digress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, at one eighteen out of two twenty three, thinking too high, too low, mm. in the ballpark. Well, John says it's definitely too low. Oh. You're saying too low. You're <laughs> thinking this is top thirty for you. It's, it's top thirty. I, I would like. I'd like to say. <laughs> that's what I think it would be yeah. in my top thirty if I was looking at all the songs and putting a putting a list of things together um but you know i'm not sure i mean i, I mean i just there's it's it's such a so i mean it's it's not even sophie's choice it's sophie's choices you know well john you can head just, on over to ranking the beatles.com and get your own ranking the beatles poster and rank your own beatles yeah, <laughs> yes. you know, like, i mean if, if if you love the beatles there's no way i mean i i figured that i just in terms of like having favorites, really, what happens is I just start obsessing over different songs at different points <laughs> in history. Like, I, like I, you know, I loved uh, "It's All Too Much" off of uh, yeah. the Yellow Submarine soundtrack for a while. I just thought, wow, this is the coolest George Harrison song. Or, you know, I mean, how can you not get into Glass Onion at some point and think it's just incredible? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, um, maybe this will lead you into your next series of questions, which is, you know picking favorites or what do you think of this or that mm-hmm. but uh i've got some things to say on that okay okay <laughs> julia what are you thinking ballpark doing good too high too low man i don't know i feel like you said you would probably move it up a little bit i higher. think i might move it up a little bit yeah. i think it's maybe a little low yeah i think just like the very cool guitar tone and yeah i didn't come into this being like man what a jam but I'm i figured this wasn't one you were it. familiar with think i mean i i know it i've yeah. definitely heard it but um it's not like one of their bigger yeah. you know like super famous ones i feel like sure um but i'm coming out of it like yeah, it's a it's a pretty good jam yeah i, I, I don't hate it okay 
I don't really hate any of them. Well, there's a couple I hate, but <laughs> um, we've already gone over yeah. over all that. Um, well, it may have its day. I don't. I don't envy you guys. I don't envy you having to. I mean, it's it's quite a Herculean task you've uh, you guys have presented yourselves with here. Oh, to yeah. be honest, I mean, this is all Donovan's so to... list. I, I had nothing to do with it. I'm just along for the ride. Like I honestly don't even really look at the list. Like he just tells me, like, "Hey, we're recording with so and so. This is a song we're talking about," and I do my own little deep dive on the song, and that's it. So like. That's all him. And he just did it out of boredom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 fun to do things like this. It's just of all the things you could pick to try to do. Yeah. I could see how it could be, you know, like the ultimate crossword puzzle in a way for your brain. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, at least it's at least it's a subject you love. But also, I mean, it's it's just so I, I mean, I don't envy trying to actually complete complete the list i have a funny feeling your list will continue to change and evolve and be i mean maybe you know i mean it's like will you ever get to that point in your life where you're like i finally have got the person you know, <laughs> order of the list right that's it oh you know it'd be like when you're like 92 or something like that you know yeah i've got it i think that number one should be and then uh, that's it you know uh, <laughs> the castle <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like yeah, I, yeah, I, I did the, I did the, I, I completed the list of, in my initial like kind of sit through for it. I did the list, right. and that's the list that the whole that the whole process is is based off of. And as we've gone through, I've made notes where it's like, oh, I definitely have this wrong. Like this is too low, this is too high. Um, and I've had my mind changed over the course of an episode where it's like, I went into uh, Octopus's Garden mm-hmm. thinking, you know, whatever number it's ranked at. When we were done, I was like, "Man, I blew it. This song is deep. Oh my god! Like, this is top hundred at least. So, there will be the the great the great re ranking at some point. The great re ranking. I'll reassess. The great so it, it could be re ranking the Beatles. That'll be the next podcast. Right. So. I don't think Julia will do I another think, round. No, of this. you can call Sean Nelson. He'll yeah, do it with do. you. Oh, I know Sean from Seattle. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. For a long time. Well, before we wrap up for the night, uh, as I was telling you earlier, we do like to do some rapid fire questions. They're almost never rapid, um, but uh, I almost never set the house on fire. You've never set. The- <laughs> well, well, wait a second. Um, right. So, rapid fire questions. So, your favorite Beatles song, and it can be Desert Island all time, or it can just be today. Whatever, whatever works for you. It's a tough question. God, you know, I mean, the first three that came to my mind today like you know my 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 brain went immediately trying to be out of left field like i want to say something different you know (laughs) and so and so savoy truffle like was the first song that popped into my head as just like kind of a really odd but interesting rocking cut and then it made me realize you know that honestly i mean it's probably not my favorite but that there's a couple other songs on the record that that's from the, the white album that um i mean you know Dear Prudence, definitely. Yeah, great one. Mm-hmm. And 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 then Blackbird, I have to say off of that oh, too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. look, you're never going to get one song from me ever because it's you know as I was saying earlier, I don't really have favorites. I just you know start obsessing over different songs. But you know, as Savoy Truffle was the left field pick, Dear Prudence and Blackbird both have like a serious 
emotional resonance for me because Blackbird actually, a friend of mine and I, we played it. What, what, are they, what do you do when you're a senior in high school and you get together? It's like, it's a commencement kind of at the end of the year. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, everybody, like, you know, they, they, they all talk about what a you know, great year, you, you know, your career in high school has been. And now you're going <laughs> off into the real world and all this stuff. Well, I, I, I learned, that's when I learned how to play Blackbird and he sang it. And we did for our high school, we played Blackbird was like the, the song that kind of, you know, ended, you know, the commencement and allowed everybody to go off into, you know, uh, into the world, into the big bad world or whatever. And, yeah. you know, so it, it kind of has a, there's some, and it's just, I mean, a beautiful song. Yeah. And then, you know, Dear Prudence, I don't know. I can't think of a, arguably a better second track on any record, yeah. like to go from back in the USSR, which I love as well, but that, that song has, I don't know. That's, that's got some, it's, it's again, deceptively simple, but it's got kind of this mantra like quality to it. And it just, mm -hmm. it just, it seems like the song keeps going even after it's, it's faded out and it's still, but still resonating in me. If that yeah. makes any sense. That's yeah. the best way I can put it. I just, I just get on that wavelength and I just want to keep going on it forever. For sure. So. Like the crystal singing yeah. bowls just keeps going, keeps yeah. resonating. That's right. In fact, that one has been going since uh, March of 2021, I think. Still, uh, I love those things, man. They're so cool. Yeah. Like I, I, we have some. I, some. Well, we have some at the studio. I the work at a yoga studio, and we have some. And I'm like, I want someone to teach me how to do it, just so I can do it for myself and just like be in it. Nice. <laughs> oh, absolutely. One, one, 100 percent. And, you know, I, I thought, is there like a ringing in my ears? But really, it's just this thing's been ringing for the last like, you know, year and a half. So house, basically. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's, a, it's like it's like gentle feedback. And I love it. Nice. Uh, do you have a least favorite Beatles song? Well, you know, I, I this kind of raises a point on your list, I think. I, I, I don't want to I have a hard time. I don't. I'm, I'm not doing this as a as a diss to Ringo because I I'm like huge fan of Ringo Starr, but okay. I did. Don't pass me by. Sometimes like I like it. Yeah. But as far as like it actually getting into like my psyche and you know um, you know in, into the depths of my soul. I mean that's probably. I enjoy it, but I don't. I don't think it's one of the greatest songs. Let's put it sure. that way. Sure. You know, um, but if I if I had to pick one, and this is funny, I, it's not because I don't think it's a cool concept, but I don't really listen to uh, Revolution Number no. Nine a lot. Yeah, like, and it's not that, not that I don't enjoy it, and not that I don't get what it's about. Sure, but it's just as far as like, do I put it on all the time? Like when I want to, you know, put up a song and. And 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 uh, you know relate to you know, relate to it I guess and it's more of a you know it's not the kind of song you'd sing around a campfire with people and like having it <laughs> I guess unless maybe you know it was like if you're like you know at Stockhausen's house right. and you had like a had like a campfire like hey let's do some campfire songs and, you know, or John Cage's house you just wouldn't you wouldn't play anything at all it'd just be silence around the campfire right. but uh, that was great man so you know. Um, Thanks. I worked on that one a long time, but uh, <laughs> it's it's just you know. I mean, if, if if it comes down to what I actually listen to, that's probably one of the least. Not because it isn't, you know, it's it's an important song for for what it does. But do I want to put it on all the time? Honestly, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, dig it, dig it. So, uh, do you have a favorite yeah. Beatles album? A go-to album? 
Wow. Well, you know, I got it down to three. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then and then I picked a fourth. Um, <laughs> and you're like the whole so, damn catalog. Like, you know, I said I, the Beatles really gets going for me with, with Rubber Soul. Yeah. Like really where it starts speaking my language, even though they're amazing songs on early records and stuff. But just the production, something about it. Um, so the so Revolver is an obvious one. Um, and then I, I got to say that I really enjoy what became magical mystery tour which is amazing because really it's a collection of songs that weren't on records yeah mm-hmm. and and it's like that's that's another thing that's amazing about the beatles is they could make you know some of their best songs were never on an actual album you know mm-hmm. a proper record you can say so but there's something about the magical mystery tour record as as it stood with what that collection of songs was that i, I mean my god you know it's just there's an amazing collection. big yeah. heavy hitters on that record big like, heavy hitters big so i and then the white album, just for the sheer—it's a twofer for one thing. You get, you get yeah. two for the price of one, just for the sheer scope on the white album. So, I was trying to figure out if I had to pick one of those, you know. And I wanted to say the white album, but then I was like, I don't know. It's down to those three. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a good three to have, though. Good three to have. Yeah. Um, we have a friend, Micah McKee, who has a, a great song called "Who's Your Favorite Beetle." Uh, so who is your favorite Beatle? The one you connect to the most? Is there one? Has it changed for you? I feel like mine has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, George Martin. <laughs> well played. Well played. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, that whole discussion is just like the Beatles are a group to me. Yeah. You know, if, I, if, I, if I'm honest at this point, and, you know, I, I'm really, I'm tired of the whole, like, you know, pick one or the other, like, you know, who did this better, did that better. I mean, my God, you know, like, it's just, it's just impossible. I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to pick the group, you know, and, and also I, I want to say something too, that I think, uh, you know, I know for a while there, of course, the popular thing was to, to, you know, to maybe, maybe suggest that, you know, uh, I'm glad to see that Paul McCartney is, is finally like getting, like people are like waking up and going like, hello. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's you know what genius. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. He's a genius. Like, I, it's just like, don't, don't ever, t- you know, anybody trying to do that John Paul, you know, thing is just, they just don't get it at all yeah. in my book, you know? And, and when you really look back at his body of work too, like, and, you know, and just because, you know, I'm, it wasn't as angry or wasn't as spiteful sometimes, or maybe people thought it was, you know, I don't know. I mean, people were more into the aggressive public persona and of, of, of Lennon, I think has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, just that he was out there and he was funny and, and those kind of things. But my God, I mean, anybody just, just watch get back and you, you can see McCartney is like, the dude is a force. He's next level. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's next level and he doesn't stop and, yeah. he, and he didn't want to stop. And, you know, you can tell it's yeah. like, so, you know, that's all I'll really say about that, other than that I just think, you know, that I think he's, I mean, and he plays the, you know, and he wrote the songs, and he sings, and he plays the bass, and he's playing the piano, and, oh, you know. <laughs> and he can play drums you know. and lead guitar, too? Good shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, in, in, the, in the, end of the end of the day, I, I don't have, I mean, no. I just I love, I love the group. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not even an equal thing. It's just that they, you know they were all so good. It's just yeah. like, and the, you know, I just can't imagine one of them not being there, 
So what's the point in picking one? Yeah, you know, I love mm-hmm. it. Um, your yeah. favorite Beatles centric memory, and it can be, you know, we've had people in the past who have uh, who've met Paul or Ringo or they've uh, they've talked about, you know, singing a song with their aunt when they were a kid or you know, it could be anything Beatle related. Well, I, I've got kind of a, a good one because I'm I got kind of zero degrees of separation um, in, a, in a in a kind of a a cool way, which is that I, I I wrote a song when I was like I don't know I was probably seventeen when I demoed it like on a like they made a little four track cassette demo of it um, and it was this song called Golden Blunders, which was obviously in the throes of <laughs> of my Beatles obsession and you know of course it's a play on Golden Slumbers. In fact, I just before we did this, I pulled out the demo, which maybe I'll I'll send it to you if you haven't heard it. You oh can yeah, hear it. but uh, it's you know I'm playing all the instruments on it and I actually. The chorus line, I actually use the lyrics, you're going to carry that weight a long time, boy. I put the boy at the end, so I kind of, and I was like, oh, my God, I totally was even, like, copying the lyrics. So eventually I changed that line to you're going to watch what you say for a long time, boy. And I put a girl on there, too, to kind of, you know, not have it be such uh, an exercise in plagiarism, basically. <laughs> but, you know, it was... It was um, it's just something that I, I did at the time. And, you know, uh, we put it out on the Posey's first major label record. It was one of the first singles that came out on a record called Dear 23. And uh, lo and behold, eventually it ended up in the hands of Ringo Starr and he covered it for a, a record of his. Yeah. Uh, I think it was on Time, time Times take, time time takes, takes Time. time. Yeah. bizarre because we had you know we had no idea it was going to happen either it was i think it was discovered by you know peter asher oh yeah yeah Yeah, (laughs) i mean anybody who's uh, and anybody who doesn't know who peter asher is uh if you've seen austin powers that's you know (laughs) that is peter asher uh, it's peter asher in the 60s and if jane asher was peter of course you know it's jane asher's brother too who was jane asher went out with paul mccartney for a, a long time inspired a lot of songs I guess Peter Asher is the guy who discovered the song for Ringo. He's the guy that turned it on to him. The story that wow. I, I I read in a magazine, I think it was like um, he 
he was just driving, I think, I swear to God, he said something in the interview like he was driving through Kentucky or something in a rental car, and the song called Golden Blunders came on the radio, and he was like, wow, this would be a perfect song for Ringo. So fast forward to, I think we're working on the Posey's second record, what became Frosting on the Beater, and we actually were in Los Angeles at the time, and we got called into... We got a call from Peter Asher's office saying, hey, would you please come over and visit? We have something we'd like to share with you. And uh, showed up to the office and sat in a chair and Peter himself wasn't there. Mm -hmm. um, totally classic, like LA move, right? To, <laughs> you know, hey guys, show up, but I'm actually not gonna be there, but my assistant's gonna play this for you. Oh my gosh. But, uh, I mean, someone came in and hit play on a Oh, here's some more obsolete media for you on a DAT machine. Oh, yeah. You know, right? <laughs> and uh, the next thing I knew, you know, I, I I heard this voice that I recognized singing like the lyrics that I wrote when I was like 17, trying to kind of make an homage to the band that he was in. And I was like, that's, that's Ringo Starr. And he's singing <laughs> words I wrote, you know, and like, you know, we... In the Posies, we had a, that kind of a Lennon and McCartney thing. So, you know, we had like shared the credit in the songs, but one of us sang it and wrote it, you know, we, you know, we split it 50-50, but yeah. that was my song. That was one that I wrote entirely. And I was just like, I just, it was like, that's heavy. Total, it was like total, it was like Twilight Zone stuff. It was yeah. like, you know, you know, it was just wild. So, uh, and then it, it turned out that guys like, Andrew Gold played the guitar solo on it. <laughs> um, Wadi Wachtel is on the session. He actually, wow. Peter Asher produced it. Like it's just all these weird people you wouldn't think would be on a on the Ringo record. But yeah. um, and then you know, keeping this this story a little shorter is that eventually we ended up getting to open for him at a show at uh, this place called the Gorge. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, amazing. And it's, it's a great amphitheater. I don't yeah. know if you've ever been there, but it's, it's amazing. And, you know, he had this, one of his first incarnations of his all-star band, and it was like it was like Todd Rundgren, Burton Cummings, Joe Walsh. You know, uh, it's pretty insane. And you know, he was like, "Thanks for the song, boys." You know, and <laughs> wow. I was like, "Wow, that's you know." I'm like, "That's Ringo Starr. There he is." And um, yeah, and, and it's funny because I read an interview with with Ringo too after that, where he actually said something about it too. He said. Um, he said, yeah, when I, when I was first presented the song, like, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And it's obviously like a Beatles reference. But he said, then I read the, the, the lyrics, he said, because the lyrics aren't really like pastiche or an homage, mm -hmm. you know, to the Beatles. It's actually kind of about some heavy stuff about, you know, people learning some hard lessons in life and things like that. And he said it was actually the lyrics to the song that made him Aww. want to do it. And oh, I, was wow. like, I was like, right on. So I'll, I'll take that. You know? That's yeah. amazing. Really, really oh, yeah. That's a hell of a moment. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really, really. I'm just, I mean, you know, I just, uh, it's bizarre to think you just, that you could do something like that and it would end up being done by somebody that influenced you that much, too. So, that's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. Anyways, I think you win the answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> of all the guests we've had, that's, that's yeah. pretty damn good, man. Yeah. I also love how, yeah. like, if Ringo well, wants to cover your song, he just does it and he was like, hi, you're welcome. <laughs> like, he does, like, there's right. no asking for permission. Just it's just, it. he, it's like, I, it's already done. You're welcome. <laughs> it's already done. You're, you know, you're welcome. Deal with it. You know, totally. You'll, you'll get you a know, check and, in and the mail. Yeah, actually, we, and yeah, the, the checks were very nice, I have to say, for a while. So Amazing. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Oh, you know, and one little, little last note on that. Um, Ringo's drum tech for the last several years is actually Mike Musburger, who was the Posey's drummer on Golden Blunders and nice. Frosty on the Beater. He's 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 uh, Ringo Starr's drum tech these days. Oh, cool. So, 
That's a nice gig. Yeah, it is a pretty pretty good gig, and uh, so maybe I'll get to see Ringo one more time. Nice. One of these days. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. That would be great. <laughs> oh man, well, John, this has been super fun, man. Uh, you know, aside from the big star thing. Uh, you know, what else are you up to right now? What's going on? Do you have anything coming up that you want to share with our listeners? Where can they find everything that you're up to? Well, geez, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty hard to, to try. Honestly, if you look around the internet, I'm not, I'm not a really, a, am I a fan of the internet? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, but social media is a, is a double. Social media is a different me, thing. Guess, yeah. You know? yeah. It really is. But, um, yeah, I'm working on, on a, another solo record, and um, that's kind of my focus at this point. Plus, I do a lot of production, yeah, um, which is great. You know, especially considering where I've been for the last couple of years, it's kind of uh, you know made the pandemic uh, doable. You yeah. know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and I did start. You know, when I did the big star shows, I did uh, I did my 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 first couple solo shows, and uh, I did no, I, you know, I did the one in in, in Memphis mm-hmm. uh, at the Shell. Yeah, you guys were there. That was also, great. I you know. Uh, it's nice that since I've been back out with the big star stuff that uh, people are like, hey, come uh, come out and do some shows of your own. Besides one on the, around the big star tour that I did, I'm going to do, start doing more of those hopefully as well. Nice. So, Excellent. So. Keep Excellent. Your eyes, I would say if, if you're looking social media wise, Instagram and, and Twitter. Oh, my, my Facebook legitimately got hacked oh, about no. a year and a half ago. I'm not even kidding. I can't. I, I have a friend who worked at Facebook and I. It's gone. I mean, I can't. Duh. Someone, someone used my credit card to buy stuff through my Facebook, my, my Facebook account. Wow. I don't know how Yikes. that worked out. But that's how serious it was. So, Instagram and, and Twitter—that's that's probably enough, anyways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, very anyways. cool. Man, well, John, this has been super fun, man. Thank you so much for uh, for taking time to do this with us. And you know, we've got a hundred and seventeen more of these to do. So if Ooh, you want to come quick back, math. right? Well, I've got the <laughs> sheet in front of me. Oh. <laughs> uh, if you want to come back and do another one, we'd love to have you back, man. This has been a great time. Yeah, I feel like in a way this is just kind of like a warm up for for something oh, yeah. down the line. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's Excellent, man. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much, man. We'll let you go for the night, but uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. John Hour, everybody. Man, that was a good time. A good time. I really enjoyed that. That was great. Um, It was cool. I, you know, I, uh, I was, I knew him obviously from his work with the Posies and Big Star and stuff like that. Um, And we spent, I don't know, 36 hours in each other's company in November. (laughs) Um, But really a cool guy and was glad we uh, connected at that, at that show and that weekend. Um, and I'm glad we got to do this again. This was really fun. I feel yeah. like we've traveled very similar paths in our lives in yeah. terms of the, especially when he was like, I started out as a drummer and then I <laughs> went and got into guitar and I was like, yep, same here. <laughs> now my dad didn't have build me a recording studio. That would have been cool. Not. I wish he had. Yeah. That would have been cool. That's all right. That's okay. That's um, but yeah, good times y'all. John Hour, check out, um, all of his stuff. He's got music on all your social media or all your streaming platforms. <laughs> what am I talking about? Got music on all your streaming platforms, records and CDs for sale. Go check it out. Do yourselves a favor. And um, if you haven't listened to Big Star, also do yourself a favor yeah. and go listen to Big Star. Yeah. He plays on the uh, 2005 record that they made uh, called In Space, which uh, criminally underrated. I would hmm. say check that out. Um, he actually has some really gorgeous songs on that. They made a video for it uh, for the song Lady Sweet, which is one of his. Nice. Um, they're not in it, per se, because I feel like... Alex Chilton was like, we're not going to be in a video, guys. That's mm. not what we do. Yeah. But well worth checking out. Excellent. Yeah. 
Um, but friends, what do y'all think about She Said, She Said at number 118? Are we too high? Are we too low? Or just like Baby Bear's porridge, my dear, are we... Just right. Just right. That's right. <laughs> let us know what you think. Uh, if you're following us on the social medias, let us know in the comments. If you're looking for us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at... Ranking the Beatles. You can find us on Instagram at... Ranking the Beatles. Or you can find us on Twitter at... Ranking Beatles. Let us know what you think. If we're too high, if we're too low, if we're insane, a little bit of column A, column B, or column C. <laughs> um, also, make sure you check out rankingthebeatles.com for all things Ranking the Beatles. Uh, as Julia mentioned so casually during that show, <laughs> you can get yourself a ranking, uh, the, ranking the Beatles poster and rank your own Beatles. Very smooth. Yeah, I Very like how you did that. Yeah. Or grab you a t-shirt or any of the swag we have up there. Um, that's all we got this week, gang. Episode 99. The next one is 100. <laughs> Party time. Super stoked about that. <laughs> um, but y'all, thanks. This has been a lot of fun. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. This is Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.